Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Kay. And this week we are looking at Season 2, Episode 17, Daphne's Room, in which Frasier pushes his relationship with Daphne to breaking point after breaking and entering in her bedroom. So Key, bedrooms are the name of the game this week. I want you to describe your bedroom to the listeners and what you like about it. And this could be your childhood bedroom, the one you currently have now. Talk us through the bedrooms of your life. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Quite okay. a, a very kind of high concept question this week. My okay, so my childhood bedroom was tiny. I had like the box room. Oh, I remember um, it distinctly, and I, I had it had a real charm about it. If you don't mind me saying, I really liked it. <laughs> That's like real estate talk, but it was really small. <laughs> it was cozy, shall we say? Um, yeah, by the time I was a teenager, I could probably touch all the walls at any one time. Oh, incredible! Um, my room now is like I have to have a grown-up bedroom because of Shan, of um, course, which which sucks. You know, You've had like, to forego the box of your past. <laughs> yeah, I can't like put old football posters on the wall anymore. <laughs> you know? um, it's very dull up on my bedroom right now. Like it's just a bed in the middle of the room. We've got a little TV, but we couldn't fit in a TV stand in the bedroom, so it's on a cardboard box. <laughs> oh wow, I love that! Some, That's very kind of home improvement. <laughs> Something was delivered in a fairly large cardboard box. It's sturdy enough to hold a TV, so the TV is sat on the cardboard box. I think that shows great initiative. Like, there's a little tablecloth over it, so you can't tell it's a cardboard box. <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't know why we're lying to ourselves, because no one else goes in the bedroom. So. But if anyone did, if I stumbled in there and didn't know, it would just look to me like a wooden a wooden cabinet under under a cloth. Yeah, it looked like a fairly weird-shaped wooden cabinet, because it, mm. like, it's a very much a box dimension it'd be a bit like on on friends when joey has to recreate the porsche under the covers and then he ends up <laughs> yes. falling into it and then it all collapses like, i'd end up tripping like over that. knocking the box and your tv would go flying but yeah we're looking at cobble box tv bed any other kind of accoutrements um, not really we've got like the cupboard for clothes and stuff nice. and i've got a comment about daphne's like little like wardrobe slash you know cupboard oh yeah um, the classic slats yeah, I've got mm. a comment on, on Daphne, so I'll come I'll come back to that later. Um, mm. And then it's a little bedside table either side of the bed. And that's nice. What's on the, What's on there? Alarm clock? Maybe a drink before bed? Um, I always have a drink. I have a drink by my side when I because I will inevitably wake up in the middle of the night and want a sip of something. So yeah, I always have I'm that. I'm that. Like a glass of water next to the bed. Mm. Um, I always use my phone as an alarm clock, so I don't actually own a clock. Likewise, to be honest, I don't think anyone does these. I, mean, well, I don't want to just generalise. Of course, people still do. But people our age, you don't really need an alarm it's, clock. It's a shame because I've always really wanted an alarm clock, like the one in Groundhog Day where it goes off by playing a song. Oh, uh, am I? Like a radio wait... alarm clock or something. Yeah, when he, like, when he um... I can't remember his name now. That's really bad. Oh, I've um... not seen Groundhog Day, as we've discussed, which is just an absolute cardinal sin. So, Oh, Bill Murray. That's it. I, oh, think, I thought um... you meant his character name. I don't... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray. <laughs> Um, he wake he wakes up every day with um, I got you, babe. I think playing on the radio. Oh, yeah. I want that. I want I want <laughs> I got you, babe. Waking me up on the morning. I am um, almost certain there will be an app you can download that will let you do that. <laughs> I would put money on it. it so. Yeah. It might be worth having a look. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I think you've you've beautifully described your bedroom there, Key. I'm not gonna bother going on about <laughs> mine. But I remember distinctly your box room, which obviously you don't mind me calling it that because that's what in real estate terms that's what it's room, yeah. that's what it's known as. Um, but I just remember coming over. There's about oh, a couple of us after school one night. Um, yeah, one night after primary school, and I had Star Wars Battlefront two. 
and I've just got it. And I mean, I know quite a few people who listen, play games, as has come up on various threads in Listener Mail this week, which we might get to. So this is going to actually, you know, ring true to some people. But I bought Star Wars Battlefront 2 over there, and I just had this memory of just all of us just sitting in there, you know, playing that game. It was just, it was just the best. And, you know, that, that was probably 15 years ago now. Um, at least and so i just think it's yeah it's amazing that like that, that little tiny insignificant room you know of your life ends up having this kind of really you know profound memory and nostalgia for me so um and if you if you ever really make it big as an author i'm gonna get a blue plaque in that room oh just, like, man will carroll played star, star wars <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute honor <laughs> <laughs> Um, shall we talk ourselves into Trivia Corner this week, Kay? Let's do it. Excellent. So we've been sent in at the usual questions by Hamish and Corey, and possibly some extras from Hamish's usual bunch. I'm not sure. I haven't checked yet. And also, Reclia has sent in her special bonus question, because we know she's a big fan of this episode. So hopefully the review does it justice. Shall I ask you Hamish's first? That sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay, question at numero uno. Why can't Niles bend Maris backwards and kiss her to make her glad she's a woman? Oh, I do remember this. Um, <laughs> doesn't he say she has is it an abnormally rigid vertebrae and he'd snap no. her like a twig? That is exactly what would happen. <laughs> so unbelievably graphic and <laughs> just kind of horrible. Um, but yeah, absolutely, almost spot on word for word there. Okay, so well played. What type of maid is Nadia or Nadia? I don't know how they say it in the episode. Um... I think, because I, I, I had to double-check this, because I wasn't sure if it was a One Flow of Cookies no, Nest reference. It's mm-hmm. not, I don't think. No. But does he say a hatchet? He I does. Think. I wonder yeah. if that's like where Ratchet is being punned in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, Because at first, I, I rewound it because at first I thought, did he say Ratchet? Yeah. Is it like a nurse Ratchet reference sort of thing? That um, would have been like, that would have been certainly within the remit of the writers, I think. That's a kind of thing they do. Um, but yeah, a hatchet, a hatchet made. Um, what does that mean specifically? That's riffing on like hatchet job or something in other terms, is it? I don't know. I feel like... I have no idea. Um, uh, I don't know what that's... Let me, if I type hatchet made no that doesn't bring up anything on google oh here are someone on fraser online posted in 2011 don't get that joke and someone's put also what's a hatchet made specifically i thought hatchet made was a play on hatchet man as in the person doing someone else's dirty work there you go that's what it means so hatchet man is just like almost like a a hitman like a hired well someone who you know cleans up after you know does the I don't, don't upset Nadia. I know, don't upset Nadia. But I mean, maybe people could clear that up. They might have a better. I'm not, not a hitman was a terrible analogy. Um, but I just imagine like someone like a dog's body for the mob, you know, like cleaning up the mess after the uh, the whack. Um, okay, question three key. Niles was going to throw Maris a costume ball with a blank theme. What was that theme? I think does he say a Louis Couture's? He thing? does, and I didn't. I didn't know what this was at first because I thought he said Louis Couture, as in like you know Couture, as in term for like high fashion or whatever. Though um, so it's probably I, pronounced differently in French. I thought, and I could be wrong in this. Does he mean Louis the Fourteenth? Is that that would Couture's that would 14th. make a lot of sense? Yes, he, he of course. Powdered wigs and crushed velvet pantaloons. Yeah, I had I had Louis in my head. So it's like it's got to be some kind of French aristocracy thing. But yeah, Couture's is fourteen. Obviously, brilliant brilliant spot there okay um i'm very slow on the uptake there but yeah louis the 14th theme party and he mentions louis the 14th in another episode like he wasn't faye everyone in the 17th century wore powdered wigs or something i can't remember what he says but he basically says it to ross um i've just butchered the quote but yeah that's not the first (laughs) that's not the first time we uh we have a running with louis the 14th um okay missy callis's question to round off hamish's this week 
Before deciding on pinks and yellows, what two ideas did Daphne have to accessorize her room? Mm. Yeah, I do you think I know this? Oh, um, wow. You're going to bring this home for a bloody four out of four here, aren't you? Well, because I was watching Hogan's Heroes recently. Which oh, I've, I've not seen yeah. that. If any American listeners have ever seen it, I really like Hogan's Heroes. Um, mm. And it's a comedy set in a German prisoner of war camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the answer is an electrified fence and a German police dog, I think. German police dog, you're absolutely spunky. That is four out of four. And a little round of applause is in order there, well played. <laughs> and I'm currently reading, and this, this, isn't, this isn't light or kind of a, le- a moment of levity, but I'm reading Mouse um, by Art Spiegelman, the graphic novel that won the Pulitzer Prize in the late 80s. It's like one of the most celebrated of the medium. Um, are you? Have you heard of it? Are you familiar with it at all? I am not familiar no, with it. So basically, it's spout M A U S, like the German spelling for mouse. Basically, Art Spiegelman's dad was a, an Auschwitz survivor, um, as was his mom. No, his mom. His mom died, and his younger brother died in Auschwitz before he was born. So he was born when his dad had escaped. But basically, the story is his dad's story of survival in the Holocaust. But it's told through the conceit of, in the way it's drawn. All of the Jews are mice. All of the Nazis are cats. Um, all of the Polish are pigs, and all of the Americans are dogs. So, like everyone's like anthropomorphized animals. And he just kind of chose this medium to tell the story in, and it just it gives it just this whole other level of like pathos and stuff. And it's just yeah, so it's it's amazing, and it's like won every award you can win for a book. But yeah, really good. But that is that's obviously kind of German police dogs and electrified fences are kind of in my uh, in my head at the moment. Um, well played, that's four out of four. Do you want to read me your questions, sir? Yes. Okay. So um, my first question: mm-hmm. How many photos are on Daphne's mirror? Oh, specifically God. on the mirror, not on the the cabinet or anything like that. Jeez oh, Louise! Um, other than the hilarious one with Charles, um, <laughs> I can, I can, I, I think I remember seeing a few more. There's probably loads. I mean, I feel like when you see a stereotypical woman's bedroom in a sitcom, like someone of Daphne's age, they tend to go overboard, and like the whole mirror would have been covered in them. I don't know. Um, I, it's going to be somewhere in the region from five to ten in my head. I'm going to say six. It's what? six. Oh, oh my god, are you kidding me? It's, it is six photos, man. Oh man, that's jammy as hell that is. I apologize. Um, what's what's really interesting actually, there's six photos and a post-it note. However, mm. when Fraser when basically when he picks up the picture of um Carl's and Daphne, yeah. The post-it note is in itself um on the mirror. When he goes and picks up the pills, Daphne comes in. You can see the mirror in the background, and the post-it note has moved, so it's over one of the pictures. Ah, um, nice. Despite the fact that no one touches the mirror in that time. I'm trying to think why, because obviously someone deliberately did that in, in between the scenes, so why would they do that? And I'm thinking maybe one of the photos wouldn't stick to the mirror, so they've like stuck the sticky note over it to kind of glue them both down. I don't know, maybe that's what's going on there. Possibly. I mean, I wasn't sure maybe was could the post-it note have been... No, would you do a note to an actor on there? Maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I just. But yeah, it does move of its own accord, and nobody, nobody touches it in the scene. Oh, the way you say uh, that gives me the willies. I, I, um, I reminded this twice. I was like, nah. that moves. That moves. <laughs> that moves. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Man, the haunted post-it note. I wonder if anyone else noticed that. Good, good little bit of trivia there. Okay. Okay. Um, the second question. Mm-hmm. What three presents does Martin suggest for Maris? 
Ho. If you can get the reasons why she can't have each one, that's a bonus point. Oh, man, this is such a primo quote, and I, I, I'll kick myself to death. Um, oh. oh, come on. Okay, just bear with me a moment. I'll have to cut some of this silence out. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I feel like Niles' response is like, nope, too blam, nope, too blam. Like, oh, that's it. It is, it is that. Um, so... She's allergic to the last one. Is she's allergic to roses, rose petals? Right. Yeah, that's one. Um, hives is one, and I can't remember what it is that brings her out in hives. Oh, and then the middle one, hi it goes hives something uh, allergic. Um, oh, and I've got rose petals, so I've got I've got three out of six here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're gonna have to fill in the blanks for me, Kay. I'll give you one point out of two. Okay, that's fine. Okay. I'm, I'm happy with that. Perfume brings her out in hives. Yes. Candy, she's hyperglycemic. Of course. Roses, allergic. Damn, man. Damn, 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 damn. Hyperglycemic meaning high blood sugar, I assume. I'm not, yeah, it's a, not a doctor. I always get mixed up between hyperglycemic and hypoglycemic. I Which think would be, yeah, hypo is like a, a low blood sugar, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that is... Um, man, okay. good and question. Third and final question. Lay it on me. What is the name of the book... That Frasier is looking for. Oh, bugger, 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 bugger. I've made a note of this somewhere, I think. I'm not going to look at my notes. I just know I'm trying to remember making a note of it because I think I was toying with asking it you if we, we needed some fail safe questions. It's something about the, the history of the English theatre, but I think it's like that's not enough. I think there's like more to it than that. I'm just gonna, the history of the English theatre, but I feel like there's something about trees in there. I don't know why. Yeah, I think it is the life and times of Sir Herbert Beerbohm Tree. Oh, Beerbohm Tree. It's a, um, a witty history of the English theatre. That's the one. See, I knew there was tree there. I don't get a point for that. I don't get a point. <laughs> the book which took a title was the guy's name. Um, I, um, I did consider having another question, but I, I decided against asking it because I wasn't sure of the answer. Oh, um, I was intrigued. going to ask you, how many times does Niles say please to Nadia on the phone? Oh, uh, Every time I tried to count, I kept, he, he, he speaks too fast for me to count it. Um, so you don't have a definitive figure? I, d I had a number of what I thought it was. Hmm. I checked it on KACL before we came on air and they have a different number. Um, wow. So I can't guarantee I'm trying to think. So, so please, 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 please. please. Uh, and I, I, I would have said like eight or nine, but that's me kind of really going off the cuff and not listening I, back to it. I thought it was eight. Okay. Um, KACL says it's ten. Hmm. And so an if anyone, <laughs> anyone out there has a has a viewpoint on that, I'd be very interested to hear. Oh, it. No, I think I think a lot of people are going to be scrambling back to uh to go and listen to it there and count them. Um, that's a, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so how did I do there? Is that like one and a bit out of three or something? I think if we include the, the bonus, you basically got two out of four. If we, ah. if we said the three presents was sort of two-pointer. Well, not so bad. Not so bad. You've got four out of four as, as normal. That's par for the course when you're, <laughs> uh, when you're in Trivia Corner with Key Leo. Um, okay, I'm also going to save Reckler's question um, till the end because I've got something fun that I wanted to do with that. Okay, so Corey's questions for you, Key, this week. Question one, where does Frasier think Maris moved and what prop does he need to complete his impression of her? Oh, yeah, I remember this. This is a great little... This is hard. So where she moved? I think in, it's, in, is it in the house. house. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much sure she moved to the East Wing, I think. Yeah, she did. She did. 
the lesser known political TV series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> um, the, the prop. What prop does he need to complete his impression of it? He says, like, if I throw this on, I'll, you know, just imagine I'm Maris kind of thing, you know, to paraphrase. It's like a, a prop. It, oh, God. It's, thought... a, it's, a, it's a clothing item. I'll give you a little clue. Okay, so it's something that Maris would wear. Mm hmm. Which does um, not nail it down, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea on the prop. Mm. Um, I get, I, yeah, no idea. Some... It is an ermine lap robe. Um, well, who doesn't have one of those? I know. <laughs> ermine, does it just mean like fur? Is it like a specific type? Oh, it's a stoat. It's a stoat fur. Um, I don't know That's what the word kind of... you don't hear enough of. Stoat. It's not. Or ermine, to be honest. <laughs> or I think I'm not sure what the ethics are behind that. I mean, fur in general, obviously. <laughs> Apparently, it was nominated as one of the world's top 100 worst invaders, um, and has been used since the 15th century by Catholic monarchs. So, you know, if they're a massive invader, maybe maybe wearing a bit of their fur is not so bad. But I'm not passing comment here. <laughs> I've got no stock in either argument here. Um, so I'd be willing to let listeners settle the score there um question two from Corey: what interest rate is the lot offering when daphne is shopping for a car oh great question oh god so good this could be any sign it's but... on a sign behind her so at least it is in this in the shot and is visible it's not like you know an establishing shot of the forecourt or something which we don't get anyway but when she was in the car mm -hmm. I did think I saw something. I thought it said $128, and it confused me because I was like, you're not going to car for $128, and they're not charging mm -hmm. $128. Grand, so what, mm -hmm. what's that about? Um, and But I thought it was maybe like $0, and then I thought it was like $128 maybe per month until you pay it off or something. But that would have made sense. Maybe it's 1.28% interest. Maybe that's what it is or something like that. Mm. Um I could be completely on a, I'm completely wrong here, but I'm going to say 1.28%. You're not a million miles away, Key. In fact, you're very, very close. It's 2.9%. Um, well, so, I feel you should work in a bank when you're like, you're not a million miles away. We were actually going to charge an extra 1.8%. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe I'll have a secret calling in a bank somewhere <laughs> before they all go under. Um, but it's 29 You're pretty close, Key. Pretty close, but... Uh, no cigar, I'm afraid. Um, finally, for Corey, how many times a night is Martin up? Okay, I do know this one because it reminded me of you. Oh, God. <laughs> He's up, is it six times a night? He is indeed. I mean, how many times am I going to be up a night when I'm his age? You know, God willing, I get there, touch wood. Because, yeah, I mean, it is a minimum of one for me. Sometimes two, never more than two. Um, but, yeah, a minimum of one. I mean, that's been the case since I was, like, 10 years old. So, I mean, it's not gotten any worse. So that was, it's stabilised, mate. Yeah, stabilised. <laughs> I feel like it's on a slippery slope. <laughs> but uh, there we go. Um, excellent questions from Corey, anyway, and from Hamish. Uh, massive thanks for sending those in, as always. Shall we jump into the review? Yeah, just one point I didn't know if you wanted to get into just before mm -hmm. um, we get into the review proper. Uh, obviously, in the first season, we pointed out that Travels with Martin was John Mahoney's favourite episode in the show. Yes. Um, David Hyde Pierce's favourite is Author, Author. Nice. Both of which have appeared in our top tens. This episode is Jane Leaves's favourite. Oh, there you go. Very, very cool fact. Um, in fact, someone, I think someone posted on Fraser Fan Club the other day, Kelsey was on the record in an interview saying Ham Radio was his favourite so we've uh, that that's we've got... interesting because they have a different on KACL they have a mm -hmm. different one down for him oh, oh there we go do we trust oh. KACL 
Oh, do we trust Kalsa? <laughs> I mean, it was. I'll be. I will be honest with you. The KACL one is taken from 1998. Um, okay. So he, he probably changed he a lot more changed than, his it? mind. Yeah, it probably yeah. does. I've just realised we have Reckless question, um, which we didn't ask. So I'm so sorry. Let's go back to that. Um, I've left this blank because I thought it would be cool to flip a coin, and one of us gets to ask whoever like calls it gets to ask the question to the other person. Um, Do you have a coin? I will get one. I'll be ten <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Okay. Oh, right. Okay. Heads or tails, whatever you call. If it call comes out, you get to reveal the question on Reddit and ask it to me. Okay. Um, tails. It's tails. The question okay. is yours. So oh. if you go over to Reddit, you can uh, click the trivia question black bit, and it will reveal, and you can read it out to me. Okay. So Reckless question. I'm really hoping it hasn't been asked already. After all this. <laughs> no, it has not been asked. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. At the very end, when mm -hmm. Daphne finds all three Crane Men and Eddie in her room, in what order are the close-ups? Oh, that's such a good question. I have a feeling... Okay, she walks in and Niles is holding up the robe, but then I think it goes with Martin first. I mean, I probably I could be wrong immediately, but like I'm going to stick with Martin first, that then narrows down, it's just 50-50 for the other two. I think Frasier would be last, considering the episode's been all about his transgressions in there. So I'm going to say Martin, Nars, Frasier. Oh, I'll give you a... And then I'll give oh, you a, Edda, yeah. I'll give you a clue. Um, Frasier is the only one who doesn't have a close-up. Oh, okay, that's that's good. In which case, I'm going to say Martin, Niles, Eddie. It definitely also has a close-up. Oh, man, uh... <laughs> Martin, Martin, Niles, Eddie, Daphne. Oh, well, this has gone badly. Oh, man, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, do you want me to put you out of your misery? Please. The order is Niles, Daphne, Martin, Eddie. Oh, man, that's a fantastic question, Reclia. And you will be jumping with glee that I've absolutely... I think I've probably got every permutation wrong in that, <laughs> in that line-up there. Um, but a brilliant question and a great way to round off Trivia Corner this week. Animation Watch Key, can you tell us what it was, please? Is it a helicopter? Yeah, a new one. I feel like we need to get a klaxon for this. I'm so excited. <laughs> really, really love the helicopter. An absolute classic. Um, weirdly, because we never see them, only kind of hinted out of Chopper Dave when he's buzzing people's apartments. But uh, there you go. I mean, Chopper Dave's a thing of the past at this point. Fairly certainly never comes back. There's a there's a title card now, I think, to boldly go and blah, 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 blah. Can you obviously tell me, Key, what that's famously from TV show-wise, which I'm sure you will, and also what is it a famous example of in linguistic terms, to boldly okay. go? No, I know this. I know this. I thought I you this. might. I thought I'm you so might. proud. Um, because I once got a, um, not a telling off, but I once made like a 25-minute speech. Um and oh you've you've said this on the podcast before this brings someone it went, uh, by the way because uh, i used the phrase to properly argue mm. um and they went you can argue properly but to properly argue is a split infinitive wow. um and then they quoted this line as an example of a split infinitive so it is a, i'm pretty sure it's a split infinitive it is indeed uh, and um it's from star trek it is. I mean, I just I hate that that guy did that after you've given a speech. That's the worst trait in the world. If it if it if it made absolutely zero bearing on whatever that you were talking about, it is just pedantry at its absolute worst. Um, and as someone who literally spends every day of my life working with like writing and editing and grammar and that, I get nothing out of correcting other people's. Um, 
it's just yeah i hate i hate that kind of that vibe so i'm sorry that happened to you it's really annoying i I was just pleased i'd done my little speech and i sat down i was like exactly that's what i'm like when i finish a speech like that because i hate public speaking so much you feel like you've traveled forward in time to the future you you imagined before you gave the talk when you were that nervous (laughs) and you're sitting there thinking it's over man the relief is incredible um it's a rare kind of quiet night or i don't know if it's it's the day i can't remember but it's very quiet in the apartment Frasier on the piano is great. I love kind of him playing that at this moment, um, kind of descending from a, a really lovely minimalist classical piece to uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire. Uh, is that Jerry Lee Lewis? I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, I, I do this a lot as well. When I'm home alone, I love playing the piano and the guitar and, you know, doing what Frasier does here. So I kind of I empathize with this. Um, obviously, they all come in the apartment at this point, um, moaning about something, but I can't remember what. Can you remember? I've- think and i could be completely wrong i think it's about um i think they're just talking about maris and how angry maris is about her birthday oh they are because we immediately lack get the thereof. uh say, or lack thereof of yes her lack thereof indeed um it's like uh, um with a moment that i will play over and over in my mind i believed it <laughs> um, why does he believe that you never believe someone never believe them when they say that um though weirdly if i said that to someone i would mean it um so it's it's weird I'm the same. I don't like being the center of attention. Oh, massive! So neither do I. I feel quite uncomfortable at a birthday party for myself. Which I think is both incredible for us to say because I think we're both like that, and yet here we are hosting a podcast. But I mean, <laughs> it's different because it feels like no one's listening. So it's like yeah, exactly. You know, um, it's a different kind of spotlight. But yeah, we well, have. So you go. I was just gonna say I really love the opening to this because I actually when he was when he started at the piano, I was like, oh wait, is this the bit where? Because there's obviously there's the episode where. He can't remember the next um, the next key. Oh, I oh yeah. yeah. Have we not done yeah. that episode yet? Don't think we have. Um, oh, it was... might be. Is it, is it the perfect guy? Is it that episode? Because he's obviously so anxious that this this guy Clint is better than him at everything. I don't know. Or is it the one where? Or is it forty something where his memory's I going? 40, I think it's forty something. So we have done it. There we okay, go. Yeah. yeah, it was a episode maybe maybe um but yeah that's what i was i was thinking oh wait is it is it that scene and then when he just bursts into great balls of fire so it. good so so good also he just oh. plays really well uh, i'm not sure what that opening little riff is but it's really nice um it's very simple you know you could, you could learn that by ear because he's just playing single notes but um yeah i've got a real nice sound to it we have the great Nars line at this point you know i can't do that with mary she has a normally rigid vertebrae she'd snap like a twig just so visceral and, and violent um and then frazier's searching for his book the the aforementioned mr i can't remember his name again something tree bohm tree uh, herbert bourbon tree I think. there you go I stunningly like witty history of the english theater um really does sound like it put you to sleep do you ever read to fall asleep because it's something you've done um does sleeping make yeah does reading make you tired um it makes my eyes tired Mm -hmm. but not Uh, your mind (laughs) not my mind no so it's kind of a bit of a double whammy in a sense because it makes me it could help me get to sleep in a sense my eyes are tired Mm -hmm. but then i want to read another chapter if it's a good book i want to read another chapter and carry on reading so i don't want to go to sleep so i end up staying up late um I love when you're that deep in a book, though. Like the, I, I've it's been ages since I've had a book where I'm reading it, and I just want to keep staying up and reading another chapter. And that, like, you know, I, I think the, a lot of the books I read when I was a teenager did that. Um, a lot of Stephen King, but um, it's been a long time since I've done that. But yeah, reading makes me really tired. But then it, not when I'm actually ready to go to bed. If I read like, in the afternoon on the sofa, I will fall asleep nine times out of ten, like every time. 
um literally like an old man but if i'm in bed reading i'm like oh man i'm really getting into this or i'm just like this isn't this isn't making me tired at all um so yeah it's it's funny i think a lot of people do read five or ten chapters and it's the perfect uh what's the word what's the word for a, um a drug that makes you go to sleep is it so- sop of puff oh what's the word just enjoying this little ride this i got hit soporific um sopor a drug yeah there we go a drug a, a drug or other substance that induces drowsiness or sleep soporific there you go um very impressive i'd have just said a sleeping tablet that's what i should have said instead of getting stuck and hung up on a word um but there so after this point um frazier goes to the to, to daphne's room because he's looking for the book martin says he thinks he saw daphne looking for something to fall asleep to and then this is the first time not only do we see daphne's room but we see that weird mini corridor um outside daphne's room that obviously is beyond the kitchen and the in and the piano area which we never see um on all of like the floor plans you can find a Fraser's apartment which famously there's a really good hand-drawn one that you can get like a poster of for 20 quid and i got that for a friend of ours for secret santa one year um that corridor leads to another bathroom or mini bedroom according to this floor plan though there is no suggestion or proof in the in the show that that's ever there um but what do you make at first this little new corridor and then daphne's room talk us through it okay so in terms of the corridor i was going to check with you if it led anywhere else because otherwise if i was frazier i'd have just legged it down like legged it to the door when he's about to get caught yeah and just pretended i was walking down that corridor for another reason and just popped my head around the door to say something that's exactly um, what i'd have done i'd have been like you know there's a vase outside the room you could have ran to the vase you know to like just appraise it or something <laughs> maybe he's thinking of changing it or he's cleaning it i don't know i don't know he's the kind of man who would appraise a vase um okay <laughs> in terms of daphne's room it's it's kind of what i expect for daphne actually it's quite homely but busy it's very spacious i mean for for a condo and stuff and the view she has that's a bit that's a mega room it's a really nice room it it's, is um like she's got her own little on switch she's got Beyond yeah. sweet is big as well. I'm going to be honest with you. Like she was obviously she considers quitting in this episode. If, if you gave me that room, I'd, I'd let you invade my privacy. I'd be okay <laughs> with that. I'd let you invade my privacy. <laughs> what a tagline for this episode. Uh, I think. Oh yeah, I think that that's a very hollow and empty threat that she's ever going to leave because she has got it good here. We talked a couple of weeks ago, maybe even last week. She has no expenses. Um, she gets great food for, you know, paid for. Her job is minimal, and I, she's um, got a room point, like that. Point out, even Martin, like, he doesn't go on. When he's trying to convince Bray to say, it's like, oh, oh, she's fantastic at this, that. It's like, she knows me, she knows my moods, and I like her. But <laughs> that is literally a million other people could fill that role. <laughs> yeah. Duke could fill that role. <laughs> I'd love to see Duke and Martin try to roll around on the foam mat during the uh, during the exercises. Um, yeah, completely, completely good point there. Okay, um, she's got zero qualifications in Martin's eyes. Beyond, I like her. Um, we have him in what he's appraising again. There's that word um, in Daphne's room. He picks up the first the picture of Charles, which is just hilarious um, in its own right. I mean. 
depending on what your views are, the royal family. I am not a particularly <laughs> faithful servant of the royal family. I'll be honest with you. I have I'm, very. I'm with you. I'm. I, I'm quite. I couldn't yeah. care less about the royal family in this country. I think they are something people outside England like, and yeah, also I, I little think, Englanders. Yeah, I think there's maybe a very there's a sub there's a group in England in England who maybe like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and to I an think, almost kind of you know epiphanic level. <laughs> yeah, and then outside of England, I think it's seen as quite a romantic idea. Yeah. And then to everyone in England who is maybe struggling with bills and taxes and and all that, yeah. not quite so romantic. They're just um, a way to shift fancy plates that have got old people's faces on them, um, mostly. Um, but yeah, he has the picture of Charles, which is great. Um, she has the picture with Charles, rather. And then he picks up this strange toy, which I've been reliably informed by Steve, but he's given me the name for it. Do you know what this toy is, Keith? This sort of figurine? I haven't got a clue. I was trying to work it out. I, I've i d- decided it's either a Teletubby mm-hmm. or E.T. I can't uh, <laughs> what a combo that would be. Um, <laughs> a lot of people think it's a Teletubby, and Steve is very, very firm on the fact that it's not. I mean, you, if you look at it, it's, it's not a Teletubby. Um, <laughs> but it, it's something called... Is it E.T.? <laughs> it's not E.T. It's something called Bibby or maybe BB. Um, it's, it's a really old toy. Um, from what I could Google, it was not clear. There's not a lot to go on on Google, but if you Google Bibby, B-I-B-I, you do see the picture of this thing on in various states and forms on Google Images. Um, so, yeah, I, if people could maybe tell us a little bit more about Bibby, that'd be great, because um, it's a weird one, for sure. So, Fraser now, he kind of leaves. Um, well, D- Daphne kind of bumps into him, doesn't she, at this point, and he has to pocket the pills and stuff. Um, and we're, when we're back out in the, in the apartment is when we have the great bit with Nars when he's phoning when he's phoning Nadia the hatchet maid the quote an entire branch of her family tree was slaughtered by Huguenauts has got to be one of my top picks of the episode um how do what do you make of this whole scene so I just think it's great I love it. I think Niles has so many great lines he does man. um you know when he's in Cafe de Vosa, <laughs> I absolutely just love him in that scene he's so um, good it is it's so it is great like he, he says it so casually as well. Just, you know, remind <laughs> me of an entire Bradshaw family tree actually slaughtered by the Huguenauts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know what the what dynasty the Huguenauts are. Are you familiar with it? How's your, like, late history go? I haven't got a clue what the Huguenauts are. I, like, I know the name, and that's about it. Kind um, of like the same era as the Plantagenets, maybe. They've all got those, like, Latinate words. Um, there are French, French Protestants who held to the Reformed or Calvinist tradition. Um, I think Calvinism is oh. where you think you're born. You've already been predestined to go to heaven or hell, no matter what you do. That's Calvinism. Pretty bleak. There you For go. Uh, okay. Not great. Not Huguenot. It's got some pretty dodgy thought her beliefs there. Not it does to... take the pressure off, though, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> it really does. I'm Almost a bit of a blank check. <laughs> I'm predestined. Uh-oh. <laughs> Get out my way. You can't stop me. Um, yeah, weird, though, that you've got no way of knowing. It's, it, yeah, really strange school of thought there. Not to offend any Calvinists that might be listening. I'm going to be honest. The chances are pretty slim. Um, now, actually, immediately following what I just said is one of my top picks of the, this week is my top pick when niles is talking no it's when niles is talking about um the the fraser's been to the room he's like fraser how could you (laughs) no matter how irresistible the urge to venture down that hallway to press your face against that door to actually feel the grain of the wood against your cheek 
It must be fought. It must be found. That is just absolutely incredible to me. Um, he has some, um, just it's quick succession. The, the the line I've used before a million times on this podcast. Once again, your homespun wisdom has pricked the balloon of Fraser's pomposity. Unbelievable. Um, I love yeah. Martin's line before that. I know that Fraser calls it out as sexist, but I do think it's very funny. Like, women protect their privacy. If Listen, it's always happening <laughs> my purse, okay? You could have a gun to your head and your wife would say, me my purse. <laughs> <laughs> such a good one um and you know that is true my mom's always like you know bring me my purse you know it's it's always Anyone, the one if i when i was a kid my mom would say get me my purse but if you went in that purse oh no no, no, no you, you can't, can't do that you you bring it she didn't say search the purse okay you gotta you gotta <laughs> learn to listen <laughs> uh, i love the the kind of point of view acting um point of view shot camera shot rather when when fraser and daphne are, are at the door here because daphne's obviously figured out what's going on when she's been very curt when she's delivering the food to them all um and then just the way Frasier says, I'm being very nice. <laughs> it always kills me. I think it's Kelsey's face, the way he looks, like with the camera focused on him, he looks really vulnerable and sad and it just makes it really funny. Um, so that's one point of, of, of discussion. But the second point is, have you or do you watch Peep Show, which obviously famously makes very significant use of, uh, almost exclusive use of point of view camera shots? Um, so one, I think that the point of view in this is very distinctive. It is. Um, very much stands out. I like it. I like the power as well of a pause. Um, mm. And when you're not afraid to use a pause for dramatic effect, and Daphne uses it quite well here. Um, she does. And and you, can, and you can do that in real life. I maintain, if you pause long enough, you will get an offer of marriage. Yeah, um, I think I think holding person, your own in a pause is such a good. I can't do it. Like when I've taught classes at your undergrad, and the silences are just pregnant and really long, I will always end up trying to break it again. And that's the one thing they teach you not to do. They're like, you've got to wait out the awkward silences. Um, and you know, you can um, remarkable things can happen. You're right, Kay. Yeah, I peep show. I've seen literally a handful of episodes. But... Oh no way. I, um, I'm, it's weird because I really like David Mitchell and is it Robert Webb? I think. But Peep Show it? doesn't do it for you. I don't know. It just seems a bit. I don't know. It, I don't know. Um, episodes I've seen, they're okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just not convinced by it. I, I think that's fair. It's very much a cult show, and I do think for it, Peep Show, kind of, it starts out good, though it's got some dips. I think by the middle point, it's really good, um, and it kind of just maintains a high toward the end. I think it gets better as it goes on, personally. I think the early seasons are a bit rough. Um, but yeah, obviously it makes famous use of the point of view shots, but it's a weird show as well because it's so British. Like they live in this like flat that a million people could recognize, you know, who live in London or on the outskirts of London or indeed outskirts of any city. Um, it's just a really bleak show. Like as funny as it is, it's I find it really depressing and sad. Like Mark and Jess lead really sad lives, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I mean, I don't know why I, I might as well shout them out. I've never listened to it, but there's a really popular secret uh, podcast called Podcast Secret of the Pharaohs, which is a peep show reference. Um, but it's like the number one podcast uh, for peep show, and they recently had david mitchell on there which is really cool um but yeah i'd be interested if anyone because we've got a lot of u.s listeners peep show i know has has fans over there if anyone's watched peep show please let us know because I'm, I'm a big fan as i say not something i watch for comfort like i do frazier so at first i thought daphne was maybe overdoing it a bit when she's here with, at the door with frazier um like i do think you know the look of thunder on her face 
yes, he was snooping a little bit, but, you know, to threaten to leave when she knows Fraser is ultimately a good person and and is genuinely sorry, I thought was a little bit crazy. But then I started to think about if you did live in a house of strangers, you know, thousands of miles away from where you lived previously, you know, from your home, your room is your kingdom, isn't it? And I think maybe she is right to feel this invasion. I can I completely understand the anger at the lack of, of privacy because it is I think it's very understandable that she would want her space that is just hers, especially given that she and Frasier probably in their approaches to a household are very different. Mm. So she likes that maybe little space where she doesn't have to I think she you know she points out the African uh, knickknacks and things like that. Um and she doesn't, you know, she has a room that is her own. Mm-hmm. What I just find is a little bit strange. It's like, she's obviously very, very angry. She and is. When he says sorry, she seems to just, like, forgive him quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a long pause. Then she goes, oh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I it was a bit, you know, but okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and all this. Does it again. And again, she seems to then, like, she's angry for a bit. But then once she decides to forgive him, she give, forgives him quite quickly. And then, of course, you have the resolution at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I feel like it would have been interesting maybe to have ha- had her angrier for longer rather than having these ups and downs. Yeah, and then have a big payoff at the end where she like has a bit of a heart to heart or really explains why it means so much to her to have a room and and maybe even talks about being a bit lonely or something in a and, and missing a family or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than as I say, like these angry. No, it's okay. Actually, no, I'm angry because you did it again and. Like, I'd have maybe liked a longer payoff and a, and a bit more of um, presence for Daphne and showing her anger rather than just silence and walking off to her room sort of thing quite a lot. Yeah, I think I think that heart to heart would have would have come nicely in a different in a different spot maybe toward the end. Um, you know, we've we've talked a million times about how this this show likes to do that heartstring tugging in the last kind of three minutes or four minutes. I think that would have worked really well. Um, I know what you mean. It's quite up and down. They're they obviously doing that to kind of really amp up the farce. And, you know, it, it ends up descending into what is essentially just slapstick. You know, Niall's holding up a, you know, a, a negligee to his chest, which is hilarious in its own right. But, um, you know, it is, it's a very abrupt way to end the episode. And I mean, I know they, they kind of clear it up with the, the opening, the closing credits and stuff. You know, she's got her redecorations or whatever. You know, Frasier's bought her off. Um, but no, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you. Um, I mean, the heart to heart hilarious because we have the, you know, kind of terrifyingly creepy anecdote about her. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, it's played for laughs, but that's not normal. You know, that's it's not, not normal. It's, you don't do that. I've got a brother. We, we don't. We wouldn't yeah. do that. You don't <laughs> do that. I mean, and if you had a sister and I'm certain you wouldn't have done it then. Um, no, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's. I know it's kind of it's playing on a joke there. But I mean, even in like just folklore british folklore or you know just general i don't know what what this falls under um <laughs> yeah this just isn't a thing that, that happens like even when you're like you know a young teenager or whatever nigel peeking billy peeking at nigel is hilarious uh <laughs> billy the ballroom dancer just you know a, a little bit of a you know cheap gag in for the 90s you know you probably wouldn't have such a such a cheap gag now but it's it is funny and then I've got my next bullet point says punish a man for fit being fine boned, which I assume is Niles, but I can't yeah. remember when he says this. Okay, I absolutely love this next scene. Also, another film reference on the title card. It's Indiana Crane and the Disposal of Doom. Yes, it stood out to me because I don't think I don't really think of like Indiana Jones as the sort of thing they sort of like that that like 
action-y kind of film. A little like, bit more not, kind of lowbrow in terms of the yeah, writing of Frasier. not necessarily a, a literary reference sort of thing, you mm. know. Um, so it stood out to me, but I do love this scene. Um, one, I just... Niles' physical comedy of having to so put good. his hand down into the disposal to unjam it. And fair play to him, because I wouldn't... I wouldn't I, want to do that. No, I wouldn't want to do it at all. And then just the reaction when... Um, Frage, is it a blender he turns on? or uh, It's a coffee grinder, I think. I think he's grinding grind. with coffee beans. Um, and he just flies back. I, just, I absolutely love it. It's brilliant. Um, oh, it's just such good physical comedy from David Hyde Pierce. I think it's fantastic. I just think it's incredible because how many times do we see him in the kitchen doing this sort of thing? He's smacking his head off the cabinet or he's hit in the face by the freezer or he falls over or, you know, he's he's bending his head in, into the oven. There's just so much happens in that kitchen. It's like it's just, you know, gr ground zero for, for Niles and, and great physical comedy. Um, which I, just, I think the design of the kitchen, I think, is very much set up to facilitate that. It is... Because it's quite a small space, it's got lots of things that you could bang your head on and fall to the floor. Mm -hmm. You can see it's very much, I think, been set up with the intention of it being used as a physical comedy space, mm -hmm. um, which I really like. It's, it's a really cozy kitchen where you can do that, those sort of gags very easily. Whereas, say, somewhere in the living room that's very open plan would be very difficult yeah. to do that, you know? Yeah, I think you spot on me saying it's cosy. I mean, obviously, that's a word I use a lot to describe Frasier and its aesthetic. You know, it's it's something I'm always on the lookout for in episodes. Um, there's, I think there's like a, a Nor is it Danish or Norwegian or a Scandinavian term for it. I think it's called HIG. Um, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's like H-Y-double-G-E. And one of them's got an umlaut above it. And basically, it's like the almost like the spiritual science of coziness. Um, so, like, you see this kitchen and it would have, you know, this this hig or however you pronounce it. Um, and I just, you know, that's like really big now in how people are like making their homes. It's like a, you know, a big school of thought. One thing I'd have loved to have seen more of, because obviously we in the matchmaker, we have that amazing shot back into the kitchen from the balcony. That like open plan kind of shelf, you know, that like looks out onto the piano section. Because obviously that's like an open cupboard. There's no wall there. Um, I just I, I feel like there's there's space for physical comedy to happen there. You know, like someone on one side, someone on the other, maybe passing things back and forth. I don't know. I just think that's a good little space of interaction that could have been used for some jokes or something. I just think you know, it's a small kitchen. You know, make use of everything you've got. You know, they make use of everything else. The island is used in various ways, like Fraser hiding behind it in season eleven when he doesn't want Ronnie and Marty to hear him, and you know, the fridge gets used because Niles is always hanging around it. And yeah, just interesting how they use these spaces. Um, I do think Fraser's a little bit thoughtless in turning the coffee grinder on when he knows Niles is literally putting his hand in a in a garbage disposal. Sure. Not really a thing we have in the UK. It's it's interesting to point out here. US listeners might not know this. Um, having a, a mechanized disposal like this, where you, your food scraps go in and then are ground up, this does not happen in the UK, as far as I am aware. Um, we have like a, a rinser, which is just like another tiny sink. Um, and you basically you wash off the crap in there and then you don't get all the bits in the main sink. Um, so we have one of those. But yeah, I mean, you're not familiar with one of these in the UK, are you? Okay? I've never seen one or I've never even heard anyone in the UK make reference to it. They're um, very cool, though. I mean, I'd love one. Um, it'd scare me. I'd be scared. Of yeah, they are a little bit intimidating. 
there's a hilarious joke. I mean, a lot of listeners will, especially a lot of UK listeners to this podcast, will have watched Alan Partridge. There's an amazing episode where he's buying a new house and he's going around the kitchen just kind of looking at things he wants to keep. And then he points at what is just a normal rinser. So it's a little mini sink. You know, every house has these basically, unless, you know, your kitchen's 30 years old or whatever, if you live in a slightly older house. And he just kind of points at it. He goes, what's that? And the, the, the guy standing the house goes, oh, it's, it's a rinser. And he goes, yeah, get rid of it. <laughs> and then <laughs> just carries on walking around the rest of the kitchen. And it's just such a pointless gag, but it's hilarious. Like, it's kind of like one of the most iconic gags from that episode. Um, but yeah, uh, the rinser has a bit of currency in comedy, it seems. And so does the, the grinder. Um, they don't... I've got my bullet point here that says they don't time the door. Oh, oh yes, okay. I know what this is in reference to. Frasier goes back into Daphne's room now. He needs to right the wrong. He needs to put the, the pills back because Daphne's not going to take them before bed. And then this cat and mouse game starts happening of him hiding in the wardrobe. They don't time the door opening with Frasier diving back into the wardrobe well enough here. She is... The door is fully open and she is literally staring into the room and he is still present and he hasn't hidden in the wardrobe at this point. And this is before she comes out with the eye drops where she's not actually looking. Um, even if you're like looking at the floor, your peripheral vision would see him. I don't know the point that this episode is. They're suspending all of that, but it still annoys me. Yeah, I've actually got quite a few little bullet points about this scene. I've got to hear <laughs> Okay, one, she's incredibly private about her room and closes the door every time she's not in the room. Mm-hmm. He comes back, the door is wide open. She Very true. Two, uh, Frasier should have been caught three or four times. Yes. Um, um, three, I just... The point with the like, the the wardrobe where she's just dropping... like oh, her oh, When her hand floor. is just searching and then he gives it to her. Like, it, the clothes no, magnet no to her No one does hand. that. Okay, nobody no. does that. Nobody and no clothes do that. <laughs> no. Like, the wardrobe, you open the door all the way. Yeah, um, you never just stick your arm in because you're going to, like, pull out something. Yeah. You don't know what you're pulling out. I mean, who gets up on, like, a, a Saturday morning and go, oh, I feel like an adventure today. I won't look and I'll just wear what comes out. <laughs> um, oh, you don't do that. And it's it's yeah. weird. And also, I'm pretty sure there are little slats in that wardrobe. So you would be able to see that there is a figure standing in the wardrobe. There's a lot going on here, isn't there? Um, um, next, why does Fraser hide in the bathroom? He knows she's going to go a shower because she's just come out of the shower gone to the door and then he runs into the bathroom i think is it because of the, i guess the whole the whole vibe of like um she you know if she catches him in the corridor he's got no good reason to be there i don't know it was appraising the vase you could have said that <laughs> appraise the vase again <laughs> i mean yeah why does he go in the bathroom because one she should close the door which she doesn't do so uh, going in the bathroom is the worst place he could have gone but the fact <laughs> he goes behind the door and she doesn't close the door i know i know we're being stupid here and i know listeners are gonna be screaming at, the, at their phones the whole point of this is to make it work no matter what. So they have to suspend our disbelief. But I do think there are ways of doing it that can at least promote a bit of realism um, because very little that happens at this point is, especially with the way she interacts with the wardrobe, is even slightly really plausible. It, it really, like, I get it's fast um, and it's meant to be funny in very much a slapstick way and a physical comedy way. For me, it didn't, like, I was just sitting on that wouldn't happen. And uh, it, it, 
I don't know. I, may, I think there's probably a better way of doing it. In my head, weirdly, I've got like, I mean, Daphne's very prim and proper, but if you can imagine in this episode, her bed's not made. She's got a lot of clothes on it that she's been deciding what to wear. It's a bit of a mess. He could have dived under all those clothes and hidden in there. And then there might have been a funny bit where she kind of sits on the bed, you know, to put some clothes on and she sits on him and then like she screams and he screams. And, you know, I can imagine him bursting out of the duvet, the clothes go everywhere. That's at least slightly more plausible a hiding place. I, I don't know. There we go. I, interesting to see what people think about this interaction because I think it's really good. I really enjoy this moment. I think it's the high point of the episode because there's a lot of action going on. There's a lot of tension. You know, Daphne getting a kit off and Frasier watching. You know, not often we get to see that in a Frasier episode. So always a bonus. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. So, I, you know, interesting to see what people think. The They're back in Novosa after this point, after this this crazy bit of uh, slapstick when when Eddie has obviously ran into the bathroom, drank from the drank from the uh, from the toilet, and she screams, "Get out, you you dirty beast!" or whatever she calls him, um, and then she, he runs out. I mean, uh, the, the dog, that, the Eddie bit, I think works quite well. That, that does line, work. It's that's really plausible, isn't it? Yeah. The rest of the build up. Is, yeah, is I think maybe... that's the exact perfect part. And I think if there's good reason for her not to close the bathroom door. I don't know what they, this could have been. I don't know how they could work that into the plot, but there you go. Um, perhaps there's no it? fan or something, so she has to leave the door open. So it does, you know, the ventilation works, um, and Frasier, you know, knows this, so he knows he can hide behind the door. Then it's plausible. But I wonder, maybe could she have kept the pills in the bathroom all the time to begin with? Um, and so Frasier actually has to go into the bathroom to put the pills back. And then sort of gets cornered in the bathroom and has to hide or something like that if you want to do that kind of a gag. Yeah, that could have worked. But that I mean, how it, I don't know, because the space, it's very small in terms of, yeah, I'm not really sure. But I, I agree with you that there's better ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. um, after this scene, we're in Avosa, of course. The coffee count this week is three, which I believe... So it could be wrong, brings us to 49. I put in brackets, Niles never drinks his, nor Roz, though I do believe I've counted them anyway. They don't actually have to drink them as long as they order one or have one in front of them that they're using, interacting with. So we're at 49 now, so we're steadily ticking along there. Um, we're still at a rate of more than one per episode because I think this is episode 45, so we're still at um, 1.04, whatever this stat works out as. And I've just simply put, Niles got some. Uh, yes, Niles, trying to talk us through Niles getting some cake. I love Niles. I mean, he's talking in what I think is Italian to the waitress. <laughs> this, is, this is a hand that he asks for do bran muffins. Do um, bran muffins. <laughs> I just, I love the way he tells he tells Fraser that him and he and Maris burnt up a lot of energy last night. And a then lot says, of energy. <laughs> have to replenish my body. Um, the way he says my body. <laughs> Also, the I term is it. replenish your fluids. Re replenish <laughs> my body. So I've never heard that before. <laughs> replenish uh, my body. Absolutely love it. I mean, I then love the fact, obviously, Fraser tells Niles that um, there was another incident with Daphne and Niles can infer that Fraser saw Daphne naked. And just mm -hmm. so I, I want to help you with this, you have to tell me everything, every sight, every sound. I'm burning <laughs> yourself before you explode. Um, <laughs> I love it. And, and then I, I, I love... draw how I've always imagined it, and you can tell me if I'm right. <laughs> um, yes, I love a brilliant line. I mean, I think David Hyde Pierce does so well here because this could be incredibly creepy. Yeah, but if we want it to not, is it? Isn't it? It's not. I. It is just pure laughs. I think. Mm. I. I just find it really, really funny. And then obviously, um, Roz arrives, and we have the brilliant because obviously 
Niall's got some because he bought Daff, um, he bought Maris a Mercedes. He um, did. I wonder if he got the S class. Yeah, I was wondering. Does he? Did she get the big Mercedes? Did she get the um, big Mercedes? But all, I love if Fraser calls him a coward and the comeback of, "Well, I'm a coward with a hickey." Um, <laughs> I think he's a great line. That's so good. I mean, why, where do you stand on hickey skeeks? Personally, I think they're a little bit disgusting, but I yeah, I just I don't really. They're an odd one. Them. Like yeah, it's just. I, mean, I can't remember the last time I saw one. On some I don't think they're a thing anymore, are they? Like, I think they're. A... I think not for people of our age. I imagine teenagers. Like, May yeah, maybe. Um, I, I, I distinctly remember actually someone at school once just coming to school and they had about seven on their neck. It was disgusting. And then they go around and they would like point them out and be like, well, "Look what I've got." I yeah, it looks like you've what? got some kind of plague. You know, it's not something to uh, to be proud of. Um, Niall was saying, "I'll oh, make your." I'll make your body look like a relief map of the Andes if you buy me a car. Incredible line from Roz, which she is given all of two minutes in this episode. Just realise there's no KACL. Always a bit of a weird one when there's no KACL and Fraser Rep kind of grounds us a little bit. So it's, it's a shame that's not there. Then we have Daphne, obviously, comes this big realisation back at the apartment and she kind of dumps her bag of contents and talks about you know how she's suffered his african fertility statues staring at her but you're one leering love god too many <laughs> that is a great line from daphne just yeah what do you kind of make of her the tension between her and fraser at this point it's good i actually i think this scene is probably jane leaves his best scene in this episode oh, i think so you really feel her anger don't you yeah this is the first time it really comes across when she's like dumping her handbag on the table going through everything and, and i point out oh i'm four pounds heavier but it's in a spot that most people can't tell most people um, <laughs> most people like i think it's it's done really really well the leering love god is a fantastic line i just wonder if if she forgives again i just feel maybe she forgives him a bit too fast in mm. the sense that she's clearly furious he said he promises never to step foot in the room again and says you know i'll pay for redecorating it all and she's just like okay i'll give it another try i'm gonna go to the shop um yeah i just i wonder if again I just feel like maybe it's not that it's bad. I feel like it could have just been done better, and, mm. and maybe they missed a trick without having a heart to heart, a big heart to heart at the end, and you have the tension building for twenty minutes rather than tension builds, diffuse, tension builds, diffuses. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, but I, I do think it's her best moment in this episode. She kind of gets a chance to to kind of say what she wants to say. But yeah, it, it, its conclusions maybe a little bit. You know, I don't know. Maybe not mistimed, more misjudged. But is it? You know, Fraser really? They all have really invaded her privacy at this point. Um, it's strange as well. I mean, obviously, um, the episode is called Daphne's Room. Mm -hmm. I think this is the one scene where she really gets to act. Um, yeah, yeah. The rest of the episode, she's very much just a cold expression where she's angry, or you know, there's not a great deal for her to really do. I think. Um, mm. This is the scene where she gets to put across that emotion, how she's really feeling. Again, I'd, I'd have just made more of it and let her have a bit longer to express that. I think so. I completely agree. Um, I'm trying to think of where I am bullet point wise now. I, I, we, have, we have the end, don't we? Like Nars going, "Oh, really?" and running into her, into her. Um... Oh, yeah. Sorry. This, this is obviously before that the rest of them have invaded her privacy. I, I, I misspoke earlier. Um, but obviously, they all go into her room now. Eddie with the bra, just an amazing touch. I love that. I love that for uh, for Moose, just sitting on the chair there, his little bra hanging he, out of his mouth. I also really love, um, because obviously just before this, uh, Martin's just had a bit of a go at Fraser saying, you know, you don't do what I tell you, you're a numbnuts. Um, mm. 
listen, Eddie, he does what I say. And he's like, come on, Eddie. And Frazier just holds him back. And holding like, his little backside like, look, Dad, I mean, he's defying you too. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Eddie is just adorable in that moment. So, um, so good. Also, when they go into the room again, Niles is there. It's like, now we're in trouble. Now we're safe. Now we're in trouble. Now we're <laughs> it really reminded me of The Simpsons in Bart versus Australia. Yeah. Uh, Homer's going, now I'm in America. Now I'm in Australia. Now I'm in America. Like Everyone does that when they're at a border somewhere. I mean, even if I'm in like a county border in the UK, you've got to do that. And I'd love to go to the four <laughs> corners in the US, you know, where it's like, I don't know which ones it is. Is it like New Mexico, Nevada, Utah? I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere no in the idea. kind of not yeah the Midwest, but pushing it more towards the West rather than Midwest. Um, but yeah, you can literally be in like all four if you do like a quick circle on the ground. Um, I think everyone does this. I think it's you know it appeals to the child in all of us, and I think Niles is really playing up to that here. Um, obviously, they go to a used car lot at the end um, to to appease Daphne to buy her uh, a used car not a mercedes though she does try her luck um this just really this is my last bullet point it's, it's actually a bit of a bit of a mini tangent it's not phrase related but this reminded me of there's a brilliant podcast and radio show called this american life um i've probably mentioned it before it's it's massive basically every podcast has been influenced by this american life it's kind of the daddy of them all starting in the 90s on the radio and it uh eventually it essentially just follows stories of american slice of life Everything from politics to to race to mysteries—they're all real life investigative journalism and stuff. It, it's just—it's all about American life, uh, as the title suggests, in every possible facet and form. There is an amazing episode called "127 Cars," where the journalists travel to a used car lot in somewhere in upstate New York, and basically, obviously, they're all on commission there. And they all have to meet their target of selling 127 cars for that month, or they won't get their bonus check. And so it's literally like listening to like an audio film, essentially. It's a documentary of them following all of these crazy, like Gil Chesterton, um, Gil from The Simpsons types. And um, whereas some of the others are like, you know, Stan, the ones who are really good at selling cars. And it's just, it's amazing. Whenever I see a used car, like, I just think of that episode. And I wonder if anyone listening has listened to that because it, it's pretty famous, but it's so good if people haven't, haven't heard that. Um, it's like an hour long, but. Yeah, there's just something about the, the kind of desperation of the used car salesman that really appeals to me in some way. All American. You, you say that. That always just reminds I, I know it's another Simpsons reference, but um, I, it, it reminds me of is it Home of the Clown, where he goes mm. to buy a new car. He's like, I want this car cheap because I'm Krusty the Clown. And then the mafia, are obviously, they're shooting at him and holes are appearing in the car. He's like, um, these are, oh, these holes, these are speed holes. You want my advice? I think you should buy this car. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should buy this car. <laughs> so good, so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's always a Simpsons quote for anything we discuss on this podcast. I love that. I've watched Homie the Clown recently, actually, so that's uh, fresh in my head. Um, but Key, is this episode in your top ten? It's not in my top ten. It's not in mine either, which with apologies to Reclia, because maybe she was hoping it would be. Um, I think it's a good episode. I think it's a good season two episode, but it's not in my top ten. Um, your best actor pick, Key, this week, please. Okay, this one, it was a tough one. I think there's a couple it was of very really tough this week. I think a big shout out to John Mahoney because I think Martin, he doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. But what he does, he does fantastically. His sarcasm mm -hmm. is just the right amount of sass. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, and the way he sort of, he's, you know, he's mocking Maris, his, his little interactions with Frasier. I, I, 
And just his look when he gets caught on Daphne's bed at the end is fantastic. <laughs> That's such a good look. Um, so a real shout out. I think it was fantastic. But for me, it's got to be Niles just because I love the physical comedy. The way, you know, the, whenever he speaks about Daphne and, and you know, he's drawing her on the pad. He's, he's you know, he's got, he must be fought that desire to go into a room. <laughs> and then just the whole... Um, to replenish my body <laughs> and all that. Just, i love it so for me it is um it's david hyde pierce who do you reckon i've picked i think you've gone david hyde pierce i have gone david hyde pierce david purely hyde for to feel the grain against your cheek it must be fun it must be fun that is just an amazing highlight this episode and um, i'm really sorry again i know reckley was maybe hoping we'd pick daphne though weirdly as i think we've covered in the review Although this episode is extremely Daphne-centric, she isn't in it as much as she could be. It is about the others and their invasion of Daphne's privacy. Um, other than the bit with the handbag, she doesn't have a, a lot of lines. Um, so, you know, I think we had to go with, with our gut on this one. Um, um, just a roundup on the best actor. Oh, yeah, it's been a while since we've tallied, actually. Hit me. So, for me, I've picked Kelsey nine times. Yep. Martin, four. Niles, five. Lilith one, Roz two. Mm. You have picked Frasier nine times, Martin three, Niles six, Lilith one, Roz one, and Bulldog one. Ah, there's a nice range there. I forget we've, we've both picked Roz and you picked her twice. I can't even remember which episodes they I were. And you only can't remember the second time I picked her at all. I'm trying um, to think what Roz episodes were. I mean, Bulldog would have been Roz in the doghouse for me. So that isn't the Roz episode. I think I, I maybe went with Roz on that one. Yes, and, and then, then there's one more you've given it, Roz. So I'm trying to think of Roz-centric eps. Um, so the one you gave it to Bulldog must have been the second time I gave it to Roz, I think. Yes. Um, I can't remember for the life. For Maybe listeners will remember. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not imagining listeners out there keep a big track of what we say. <laughs> but if anyone remembers what Key gave, um, what episode Key gave Roz to, please let us know. Um Kennedy Burling, our man on the ground. What would he make of this episode, please? And indeed, what would he make of Daphne's room? I think, um, to be honest with you, Kennedy's allowed into Daphne's room whenever whenever he wants, to be honest. Wow, I think he's, got, he's got carte blanche. <laughs> Daphne, Daphne loves Kennedy. We all love Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> he's allowed in the boudoir, is what you're saying. He is indeed. He's also allowed to appraise the vase. <laughs> okay, here's a scenario. Kennedy can hear someone coming, and he knows he's not supposed to be there on this occasion. Where does he hide? He doesn't. He jumps on the bed, does his best Tom Durant impression. <laughs> <laughs> can we get a little one-on-one time? <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> Thank you, Key. No further explanations needed. Um, that just remains for us to play Whose Crane Is It Anyway? Before we jump over to listen to Mao this week. And I have pre-selected a line here. Someone says in this episode, Key, I need some advice. Who says I need some advice? Oh, okay. I need some. All I can hear now is, you want my advice? You should buy this car. <laughs> you should buy this car. <laughs> oh, I need some advice. Okay. I feel like you Ooh, might get this. I think I do know this. Uh, I think, is it? I've gone with the O possibly too early, but <laughs> I think it might be Martin. And I think he might go, um, Dr. Crane, I need some advice. My son is a numbnuts. <laughs> Who doesn't listen to me? Because when I say don't go in the room, he goes in the room. And now when I'm saying go in the room, he says he doesn't want to go in the room. Um, I think it's Martin. 
It was, and also I just got flashbacks to your Joe Keenan impression. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is Martin. It is exactly the line you said. Oh, Dr. Gray, and I'm glad to see you. I need some advice. I've got this son who's a total numbnut. Well played, Key. Well played. You normally do well on who's crying, but uh, you've kept up the uh, the run, the running streak. Um, that just remains for listener mail. You ready to hop over there? Yeah, let's do it. Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, so thank you everyone who wrote in for listener mail this week. As usual, we've got quite a few to read out. Really uh, looking forward to this. So Sydney Assbasket begins, I imagine Daphne's Room will be an excellent episode. It's a fan favourite and full of great gags and physical comedy. That it is, Sydney. My best trivia is that the item Fraser picks up in her room, here you go, here you go, is okay. not one of the Teletubbies. It is, in fact, Bebo, not Bibby. Sorry, it's Bebo. Have a look on Google for it. Strange item for Daffy to have. My guess is they needed something to curl Fraser's toes with. Keep up the good works, boys. Um, yeah, f- no further mysteries unpacked here about what the hell Bebo is. But um, you know, thank you, Sydney, for bringing this to our attention. That was that was Steve um, who mentioned this. Um, so when I said it earlier in the podcast, that's what I was remembering. So what exactly is a Bebo? Is it just a paperweight, or is it? I, no, I think it's a toy. Um, I've just toy. I've just typed in Bebo. There you go. There it is. Is. There's no, there's no explanations. Who is Bebo? Here we go. It's a found product of the highest order. Uh, what? We, what? what? Nothing. While well, we can create amazing products, nothing beats finding something that we can't explain yet want desperately ourselves. When we found Bebo in a factory showroom, we had no idea what it was. It was just a strange-looking clock that shouted Bebo over and over again until you tapped the stem on its head. We requested more information from the factory about exactly what Bebo was and got the strange explanation below. It was love at first sight for us and the bizarre explanation just deepened that love. Shall I read out what the factory said? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. Okay. Good day. Story of Bebo. This is an ancient god story and love story in China. At that time, there were two main powers, Snake Devil Woman and a power called Sky Devil Religion, who likes drinking people's blood very much. When the solar eclipse is coming in the time Sky Devil comes out to control the world, they have a beautiful phoenix god woman to protect them against the Sky Devil. One day, beside the very beautiful pool, there was one handsome young man who sit on a big stone and blowed flute to lead one fire phoenix to the pool. Then he used cold pool water to extinguish the fire of this phoenix and suddenly phoenix changed to be a very beautiful girl also this handsome young man aroused one sleeping god monster called bebo to be protection god of phoenix this god monster bebo had slept in the bottom of the pool for over thousands of years bebo is a god monster with intelligence he has two big eyes and he knows very well what people want to do he cannot speak but only bebo when there is any danger happened, he will speak. The top of his head will light up and his hip will make many colourful smoke to help him survive because this smoke is very stinking and it can hinder the sight of his enemies. We love Bebo very much because he always survives by using some funny ways. What? I am absolutely flabbergasted at what I've just read. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Absolutely terrifying. And also the fact that this is in this Fraser episode just makes Daphne's room a really a collector's item, I think. That's insane. Okay, so is it an alarm clock then? Because It's an alarm clock based on some strange, almost in- inexplicable Chinese folklore about gods and demons. And apparently he's a god monster who slept in a pool for thousands of years. 
Oh my god. Um, I think we just move on from Beamer. <laughs> I, I think for the first time, even Kennedy Burling would have no words. I don't think he would. I, don't, I, think, he'd, I think he'd fight Beamer in a god monster battle, but I don't think he'd be able to explain what it is. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Moving um, on swiftly. Portland says, Great podcast, guys. I binged the first 35 and I've been listening weekly um, since whilst doing a rewatch, so it's fresh in my mind. It's been great to listen to whilst I work on my NaNoWriMo novel. Oh, nice. Good to hear they're working on a book. Um, Daphne's Room isn't my favourite episode, but it is a great example of how Fraser views his housemates in the early part of the series. Their inconveniences to his privacy, so he doesn't respect theirs. Very oh, good point. He's a very good point, actually. That's... Um, yeah, well, well, well noticed. Well, from a yeah. first-time uh, listener mail, no less. Um, on Eternal Ring, the, <gasps> I think the game that you mentioned last week, Will. I did. Um, I got a PS2 around launch time, and I played the crap out of the first few games I had. <laughs> my, my parents decided they would get me a new game and, give, and gave me some money, so I trotted into game. I felt drunk with power and made a poor choice because I love RPGs, the dreaded Eternal Ring. <laughs> game was so bad that I swore off from software games from that point onward. It seems they may have redeemed themselves with the Dark Soul games, but I drew the line in the sand and don't intend to cross it. Wow. Interestingly, for such a apparently terrible game, you've played it, um, Through Portland has played it, and also Mischief Knight has also known the horrors of this game. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's quite it's a just amazing to me. One, it's amazing that there are two people here listening to this podcast who have played it, which is staggering to me. But also, I had no idea that From Software were the developers. The Dark Souls games that Through Portland mentions, I haven't played, but they are some of the most acclaimed games of the last generation of console. Um, they, they, I mean, they're, they're brilliant and everyone's played them. So to think they went from Eternal Ring to them is staggering to me. But there you go. Um, brilliant comments there. Just and thank you through Portland for making what I think is your is your inaugural debut on a uh, on listener mail. Reclia, but we know you've got some comments here because we know you love Daphne's room. Key's vacuum painting comment was bloody hilarious. A lot of people commented on this, Key. Um, your comment about Dr. Honey Snow's painting having a woman vacuuming in it. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, good points about Daphne's behavior after Niles' insightful line. I haven't seen the scene in a long time, but I imagine she thought he was taking the piss, though unsure why. I've also bet on the Grand National, although since a few years back, I always bet on two horses. One that's, for example, 200 to 1 and a much lower number. A few years back, a low-rating horse actually won, so ever since then, i put my money on one. In regards to in regards to that Waterstone store, I did visit visit that a few years ago. I agree it was beautiful. Each floor was so different in layout, it enticed you to explore this almost fantasy-like setting. Key, I am amazed, and I commented on this. Did you know Reckley was in the UK, or did you, like me, assume she was American? I assumed she was American. So did I. I. So when I read that, I was so taken aback. Absolutely nuts. I, mean, I think because we see a lot of our listeners like help us out with the points on like, American culture that we might not pick up on, Mm -hmm. I think I just assume that most of our listeners are from other countries. Um, oh, I do. Yeah. Perhaps it's quite strange. Like, yeah. We've actually got people in the UK. Who have been to Birmingham, no less. Um, so here, here's Reckley's review of Daphne's Room. My favourite ep of the season, a massively crafted episode of an entertaining domino effect in regards to Fraser's increasingly worsening predicament. I was constantly pausing before the impending disaster about to unfold, muttering out loud, oh no, countless times. It was both hilarious and tense whenever Fraser was close to being discovered and arious when he was found. Daphne's face was a classic when she saw everyone in her room at the end. One can only wonder how that scene played out after it faded to black. Brilliant comment, Reckley, and I'm sure you've been itching and chomping at the bit to get that comment in for a long time, so thank you. Next comment, we've got Cinnamon Sable. 
Um, I'm I'm not on Tinder because I've had abysmal experience with online and app <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Maybe I need to put proud breasts in my description. <laughs> let you know how that goes. Um, you mentioned Farmer Jack's Chicken 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 and Pizza Pizza Pizza. Yeah. There's one other thrice-named restaurant that I can think of, and it's in Season 11, Episode 19, uh, Miss Right Now. And Daphne introduces Niles to fast food, and they go to a place called Burger Burger Burger. Daphne says, he's caught by the fast food bug, and Fraser says, which one would that be? E. coli? <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely just did a little head side, like... <laughs> Um, uh, and then fun of it is um, looking forward to hearing your take on Daphne's room next week. Amazing. So. I, I, have a, I have a feeling a few people have commented on the burger, 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 but I, we've missed that. And obviously, a few people have reminded us. Amazing that there are three thrice named restaurants. I wonder if that is the limit and there's only the three, but really cool that there's that continuity there. It's a nice little Easter egg. I feel like we've discovered. Yeah, really cool. Uh, Mischief Knight, well done, gents. I saw R.L. Stein once at Comic-Con, and he said he only types using his right index finger rather than conventional typing. That's ludicrous to me. He joked that if he ever broke that finger, his career is over, and to know how much he wrote, knowing that fact, is even more impressive. He's still writing. Yeah, he wrote loads. I've tried writing my index finger alone when you know, I read this comment. It's hard, and you can't write quickly. Um, fun bits about this episode. Fraser mentions the station manager lent him a book. Again, why not Tom? But still good attention to details. The book is about the English theatre, and Tom cites that as one of his loves in The Matchmaker. That is a great point, Corey. And I'm, I'm gutted we didn't notice the station manager line because we always pick that up, don't we? Yeah, we always try to. That's, yeah. um... That's a great, great line from a um, great pick about the, the Tom um, connection to English theatre. When Fraser first goes to apologise to Daphne, he announces himself as Dr. Crane, which I first thought was really odd given she's been there a year and a half. But then I realised it's a good character trait because it shows Fraser is feeling superior, but Daphne's revolve slowly withers Fraser down. The second time in Daphne's room, the shower scene, both Fraser and Daphne close the main door to her room no clue how eddie got in oh man point. that's a really good point honestly mk you pull out these every episode they just these are brilliant talking points this is what makes listener mail sometimes see these talking points that just weren't in the episode and leave great food for thought at the end it's really good stuff so attempted high five says haha well twas i that left you the guy you guys the itunes review as cyrodiilic uh, brandy. brandy ah um, love heavy rain and oblivion i think i spent the whole summer of 2008 playing the latter and summer of 2010 on the former happy nine year skyrim birthday let's all give ourselves a mental hug i'm giving myself one right now <laughs> <laughs> no fear here <laughs> um, also i'm glad that mine and key's internal monologues are the same dr says dr says can i play the piano anymore <laughs> of course you can <laughs> well i couldn't before so so <laughs> good <laughs> thank you attended high five for that comment it's amazing um and last but not least is hamish cam winston Dr. Honey Snow, just another one of Fraser's epic fails that got away. Maybe he got wind of Kiss going to town and decided it was best to hightail out of there before Gene Simmons found out. I don't know if you know this, Key. Gene Simmons is married to her in real life from Kiss. Oh. So there you go. That is what that, that fantastic references to. Um, I only found this out after we recorded, otherwise I'd have mentioned it. Um, you mentioned R.L. Stein, who writes Goosebumps and I who writes Goosebumps, and I have to say, as I was growing up, I was a massive fan of his books, as was I, Hamish. TV shows and even the computer game, which I played on my PC, my kids love Goosebumps as well, and it's good to see that he's still as popular as... Oh, he's still popular all these years later. 
Final question in my listener mail. Key, how are things at home after the vacuum <laughs> comment? Hang in there, champ. Peace. And as always, hashtag up the villa. So, so good, that is. How are I things? Can, I can confirm um, I am now um, on vacuum duty around the wow. house. Wow. So, <laughs> is it very much key in the doghouse? <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, thank you so much for everyone who wrote in this week. A really, really good listener mail, actually, I, I thought this week. Some really great comments there. Um, next week, we'll be looking at Season 2, Episode 18, The Club. Uh, really good episode. A firm favourite amongst fans as well. So really excited. Looking for that one. Um, any any comments, Kay? Anything I've missed? I think so. I'm really excited. We've got a really bumper crop of great, great episodes coming really in. Really do. Um, I know, like the end of season one, I think we were having weeks where I think we picked was it two or three of our top tens in the space mm. of about three or four weeks. Now I wouldn't be surprised if we're picking another two or three in the next four or five weeks. Yeah, I think, well, I think there's going to um, be some some selections here. It's it's a strong really, close, really strong end of season. Just like season one, really strong end of season. Yeah, yeah, very exciting absolutely. times. Just kind of looking ahead, actually, season three, conversely, um, has a very bad ending, in my opinion. Um, it, it kind of has a really slow running, um, whereas season one and two, conversely, finish on a real high note. So interesting to see how that works. But yeah, next next week, it's the club. Really looking forward to that. But until then, I've been Will. I've been Key. Thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.